Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with podcast host, self-leadership trainer, and coach Dom Brightman. He is from Baltimore, Maryland, and he empowers and equips others to share their stories. In his early childhood, he was raised in the church where he was taught fundamental life lessons and received a head start with public speaking. This early start led him to win third place at a state-level speech competition during grade school. And throughout the years, thanks to his work and experience having read hundreds of books, he always leaves his audiences with useful tips and strategies. His aim is to help others unlock their inner value through reading and other forms of self-development. He is full of energy and good. Enjoy this interview. Hey, Tom. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Good, good. Thanks for being flexible. Thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, man, so yeah, we can dive right in. Again, thank you. And I think what I want to ask you first and foremost is how did COVID this last couple of years kind of transform the way that you do business and how did it change the way that you do things now? Wow, good question. Uh, COVID actually was a gift and the curse. Uh, the gift was it's like, oh, sweet, extra time. The curse was it's like, oh, it's the... It's really feeling the effects now of what the heck happened after the initial shock because, like, with it, and it's more from, like, a, I guess a personal standpoint because, heck, even COVID, like, I actually caught the darn virus this past June, sadly. It finally caught me <laughs> after dodging it for two freaking years, and, like, I was out like i was never that sick before in my life i haven't been that sick since like my 11th grade year in high school on midterm week where i was knocked out for almost a week with with asthma and like it was it was just like that i was so dang weak and it was intense but um but yeah but back to the gift part like it actually allowed me to really advance further in business 2020 was actually my best year in business because I already had my podcast at the time. I had my books at the time. Book sales increased, podcast numbers increased, and I actually was doing Monday and Thursday episode drops. And then 2021, I just had Saturdays because if I didn't, folks would have been waiting six months for the episode to drop. And today, 2022, it's still a bit of a six-month process to get on the podcast. And also, even adding another avenue of revenue with voice acting because folks have telling me for years I got this radio voice and one of my past guests actually hired me to do their audio book and that was a big learning experience because like on paper it's like oh yeah just read the book you know maybe add a little flair like I, I could perform I, I love professional wrestling I, I've been on stage as a professional speaker like I could do this but it's like nah stamina is freaking required like you 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 could tip just trip over regular words and be like oh my gosh I know I can speak English what's happening here but yeah <laughs> it, it, it's been uh, it's been actually overall good for me it really just forced me to really step into more digital things and just taking advantage of everybody else being stuck at home and finding out, hey, I could actually be an online entrepreneur and do all these wonderful virtual summits and taking a part of those. It's just the only problem is now it's like folks are tired of that for the most part. There's there's still money to be made in digital entrepreneurship. Don't get me wrong because the darn COVID's still out here, sadly. It's a lot. It's, even, it's actually even sneakier now. That's how I got caught 
this year with it because it's so darn sneaky because a lot of folks let their guards down and figured, oh, we're tired of this. Let's go outside and be some humans. But it's like, oh, no. And then it's like folks want to be outside. They want to touch one another. They want to be with one another because we're built to be better together. So it's it's been a gift and the curse. The curse is like, ah, the personal friend is like, all right, like keep up your immune system. Don't be too stupid. And even then you still might get caught as opposed to the gift side, which is like, hey, more business revenue got to expand and advance even further than ever before. So let's let's if someone runs into you and you've already kind of mentioned what you do. You're obviously a podcast host. You're a you're a trainer and you're a speaker. Uh, but if someone was to ask you, what do you do when you wake up? What tell me what your daily routine is? How would you answer what your job is? Ah, uh, sure thing. So I would basically tell them that <laughs> I'm basically a wonderful trainer, a self leadership expert. That would be if I was to really encapsulate all of it. It would be a self leadership expert that coaches, empowers, and equips others to share their stories. Because the podcast itself, it interviews authors, they have stories to tell. Myself, I'm a, a speaker, I have stories to tell. Uh, I have 15 years working in the public library, believe it or not, and still have that as a full-time day job. So stories are involved, helping out people. So books, and books, stories, and people, like those three things, if I was to encapsulate all one thing, it would be self-leadership because from the cradle to the grave, we lead ourselves the longest, and in the between time, that dash in the middle that we're currently in and that everyone else is currently in that's listening to this right now has to realize that in that dash, we have to lead ourselves. Like, leadership starts from within, and if you can conquer yourself, you will can conquer the world because that's really another thing. That's actually one of the other gifts of the whole COVID thing is that some folks are able to take that time and meditate and get within themselves and get even deeper within their self-awareness and expand and realize, hey, I'm meant to do something else, this job that I hated for so long. I have an opportunity to really expand, unleash more content, and do something different or even do something I've been wanting to do for years. So if I was to encapsulate it all in one thing, it would definitely be a self-leadership expert. So are you originally from Baltimore? Yes, I am, believe it or not. Even though I put the T in Baltimore, I am from Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right on. I like it. So growing up, what was your childhood like? I know you, you were in the church. There was a lot of fundamental pieces that you picked up there. You were in speech competitions. But what was your childhood like to give you this motivation? You're a highly motivated individual, and you're, you're, you're always achieving and doing. How did that happen? Oh, yeah, definitely saw a question. It happened because of my wonderful parents. My mom, she was all about school. She got a master's degree in psychology. Like, there'd be times I would daydream in class, especially in third grade. And my teacher would be like, hey, like, Dom's not paying attention, but somehow when I ask him questions, he answers them right on the spot. And it's like, hey, just because I'm playing possum (laughs) and it looks like I'm not paying attention, I am paying attention here. And even though I could get away with, that in particular, because I was paying attention, even though it didn't physically look like it. My key word of the, the day, every time I wake up and go to school class, my mom would tell me, hey, the word of the day, Dom, is focus. Focus. And my father himself, he was a veteran in the U.S. Army, and he was in the 82nd Airborne Division during World War II and in the Korean War. And 
he was all about hard work as well as having a spiritual foundation because even though both of my parents grew up in the church and my mom would be probably the more spiritual of the two outside looking in, my father was the one who would take me to Sunday school classes and he would always pray and I would hear him under his breath, hey, like God, please protect my child, especially after the year 2000-2001 when school shootings started to become a huge thing, sadly, in the U.S. of A., and it's really a shame that that's still a thing. And just having that faith, so basically having those two role models, the role models of hard work, the dedication and faith, and just being grounded, heck, even with my older brother as well, was 10, 13 years older than me, just playing with him and just walking around the neighborhood with him, just being able to explore, having that drive to really explore and really learn things and just have a bias for action because successful people have a bias for action. And if you tend to lean on the side of action and you take that action, especially intentional action, it'll definitely happen. So childhood basically was church, school, and just having great role models and just symbiotically picking up traits from them and just applying it to what I have today and picking up more things along the way. So the one thing that's key for us, I think, that we learned over this pandemic period is that art is a huge part of our lives. If we did not have movies and shows and visual arts and music, we would have probably been in a really bad place. So my question to you growing up is, was there an album or a book that really made you just see the world in a different way that woke you up? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, wow, I'd have to say the book that probably helped me to see, I think it's a different light, even though I was late to this one, like early 20s. It would have to be John Maxwell's book, The 21 Qualities of a Leader. And that book, that book turned me from an introvert to an ambivert because he one of the biggest lessons that still sticks to me with this day is walking slowly through the crowd where John mentioned his father would walk slowly through the crowd because he was a church pastor. He would remember people's names and chat with them a bit and then just really spend a little time with people. And that just stuck with me because I usually do that to this day in networking events. Virtual events are a little bit different with those time limits depending on how the event is run, but just still learning names and keeping people in that Rolodex, even that mental Rolodex and just sending other people their way, connections their way, possible referrals their way, and like just the fact that, hey, life is really all about leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and leadership is influence. And influence, that can be your whole environment around you, like myself being raised with the great role models of my family. Like there's no telling how my trajectory would have changed if I had been born to a different family, raised with a different family, that, like, there's just no telling. And the words that someone writes 10, 20, 30 years ago can inspire someone tomorrow to really change their life. And the art of the written word is something that will live long after you're gone. So that that piece of artwork, even though it's a business book and some folks will be like, hey, business books ain't art. Well, it is an art. It's an art of living. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So you're in technology, too. You got a degree. What gave you that drive to want to get into technology and learn that, uh, the, the technology arts? 
Ah, uh, good question. Folks rarely even ask me about that. <laughs> I don't rarely get asked about that ever. I think you're like the first person to ask me about that. Yeah, so the IT, that actually was a goal of mine in grade school where a guy came over from Best Buy before they had the Geek Squad to fix our computer at the time and upgrade it back when Windows 95 was still a thing. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> and Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I think I'll be a computer technician. That sounds freaking cool. And then I got into college, and I was like the second to the last semester, got into a car accident, and on my way to IT security class, and I was like, oh, crap, like, this sucks. And on top of that, <laughs> I got a call to a meeting with my boss at the time because apparently my personal life was seeping into my professional life with some miscommunication issues because what I didn't tell her at the time is that my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and apparently there was some bags I was carrying that I wasn't aware of that affected my job and just those things in particular led me to professional development so I was able to really close out like that semester and the semester afterwards and get the IT degree heck even Going for a couple cert, well, going for the Security Plus certification, failing that one, but still getting a full time job promotion. And now I'm the basic resident techie that's relied upon by everybody in the building now. So it's like, even though the degree itself, I didn't get directly into the field, it still helped a bit with what I basically do today with the day job to keep the side hustle going until I make the full time leap into entrepreneurship so it's kind of how that all worked got inspired as a youth and then took a few classes and I was like oh yeah I could see myself doing this but at the same time it's like eh it was really just something for the money it wasn't like something I was really really passionate about like speaking equipping and inspiring others to live their best lives ever is really is what I'm really all about so speaking of speaking and, and being in that realm, what was the first speech or moment where you were in front of people and you saw their faces light up and you saw something transform and you were like, this is what I need to do with my life. This is, I'm an orator. I need to do this. I'd have to say when I was around 15 or 16 and it was youth day at my church and at the time, I was going to Christian school, so I wasn't really doing much in that in my home church, per se, because I basically was at a Christian school with Bible classes every day and chapel every week, whereas like my parents kind of let me off the hook and sleep in a bit, but on a couple Sundays. But that Sunday in particular, I did the morning prayer, and folks were shouting and whatnot, and, folks were, and I was on my way to the bathroom after I was done speaking, and one woman was in particular was like, 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 how old are you? Like, you sound like you are in your second year of seminary. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was like, it was just that that moment and then just being asked to take part of church plays and heck, even playing the role of Jesus for a big production where I remember so many lines and so many folks were inspired that sometimes one of the church members jokingly still calls me Jesus to this day because it was that memorable, and that was 10 years ago now since that happened. It was just like, just that one moment, just doing the morning prayer and the morning worship service on a youth day led to that, and now it's like, all right, a little bit 
add more humor to the presentations and just doing that now. So I've grown as a speaker. It's not just the whole Black Baptist style everywhere. It's more of the conversational tone and just offering suggestions and being a motivational teacher as opposed to a motivational speaker. Because a motivational teacher, you'll get tools and techniques and something that you can apply instantly. So that way you'll be motivated to run through the brick wall and you remember why you ran through the brick wall as opposed to just running through the brick wall and asking, all right, so what's next? What was your first real gig on your own? Like, you know, when you like were kind of building this, what I would call, you know, your own kind of business empire, what was the first component and how did that work for you? I mean, you know, obviously when you set something up, you have to understand that there's going to be failure with the success. How did that work for you and how did that motivate you to keep going? Uh, yeah, my first paid gig was actually a men's leadership conference back in 2018. Yeah, I think it was 2018 it was. It was a wonderful conference called He Leads. And funny enough, even though I know the question was like on, on my own, at the end of the day, <laughs> nobody's really self-made. It, it wasn't really alone because a friend of mine brought me in because he saw me at Toastmasters International and we were, were both Christians. We're both all about leadership. And he was a John Maxwell guy. And I was inspired by John Maxwell. I didn't get certified under him yet. And he was like, hey, like something's telling me to ask you to be a part of this. And I'm like, wow, I'd, I'd be honored. And I gave the first version of my ease of leadership speech. And it was only five E's at the time. Now it's like seven. Well, sometimes eight. <laughs> and really it was. That speech in particular where, and I'll even drop the first three E's now, where it was all about examining yourself, hence that self-leadership thing, being aware of yourself, and then also educating, educating yourself on what to do in the entrepreneurial space of podcasts, books, conferences, courses, things like that, and just taking action from them and executing on them. So examining yourself, educating yourself, and executing on what you've learned and what you know now to take that challenge to take that leap and when the conference is over that saturday afternoon the pastor of the church handed me a check for 250 dollars and i'm like whoa what the heck my first paid gig and i and i heard stories about other speakers who like frame their first ever check ever for a public speaking gig and i'm like shoot i'm gonna do that too and i took a copy of it it's in the frame today so that was the first gig and ever since then it's just been so beautiful now to be able to you know it's like all right cool i'm actually getting paid for the gift now granted 250 dollars so most people are like oh that's like whatever but it's like hey like that's freaking huge it, it it only takes one just to start sometimes you just need that one little fire and just maybe throw a bunch of oil and, and it'll just explode into a giant inferno of awesome what about role models? You know, we're only as good, I think, sometimes as the shoulders that we stand upon. Who would you consider that for you, role model hero in your life? Oh, yeah, definitely eggs. I love eggs. Egg role models, yeah, definitely big role models. <laughs> <laughs> I love those, too. I love eggs, too. I'm into it. I like it. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't hesitate to drop that question. Oh, you have to. No. <laughs> I opened that door up. You got to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but seriously, though, I have to say one of my current role models is John Maxwell, and he's in his early seventies now. Actually, I think he turned seventy-five this year, if I'm not mistaken. 
And I first heard him speak in person in 2019, right before COVID started. And I think he was, yeah, he has to be 75. I think it was 72 back then. And he, and he delivered because I saw videos of him speaking before, just him in a stool, just talking to you, like like you like that good uncle, just giving you some great advice. And when it came time for the event, he like there was really no stool. He was delivering the goods. He was even better than what I expected. He over delivered. And one of the things that he mentioned that he does and he wanted all of his certified coaches, speakers, and trainers to apply to their lives is that, hey, when organizations invite me to speak and I give them that questionnaire of what they're looking for, that's his floor, not his ceiling. He wants to exceed expectations. And when he mentioned that, I'm like, wow, that is gold because he lived up to his word in my eyes because dude is in the 70s and now just getting all these awards and accolades and he's delivering so well. It's like, man, when I'm 70, I want to say, hey, dumb, you should, like, he's, he's even better now than when he was in his 30s. And he was even younger now, but he seems to be even better now in his 70s. And it's like, that's that role model of success and longevity. That's the main Go to have that longevity to be able to say, hey, I was able to have a long, sustainable, successful career that I just keep getting better and better in my 70s. And that age is truly not a number. It's just a mindset. What's next for you? You know, as the world opens up, you know, and things are happening in a different way, we're looking at the world in a different way right now. If we talk five years from now, I'm like, Don, what's going Tom, what's going on? What what have you been doing? What what is it that you've done? What are you looking forward to doing? Ah, sure thing. So five years time. I have, I have a love hate relationship with this question because it's like <laughs> we could have another COVID five years, God forbid. But <laughs> but now that's like yeah, uh, true that. <laughs> hopefully not. But yeah, by then more books under my name, a lot more content out there. One major thing that has been kind of and been hitting a lot of speed bumps as this major project, helping folks to write their books, launch a podcast, and create a legacy called Podbook. And so by that time, that project will be out where it's an online course, audiobook, and book. Definitely more books. Three more books published minimum at least, and more traveling. One at least speak physically in at least 10 other countries minimum to really go international, especially in Japan, big fan Japan of both the rural and city parts of Japan, the Tokyo and the Kyoto part of it, and just do more traveling indeed and just expanding more and doing this a lot more often full-time as opposed to doing the whole balancing act. So that's that's where I see myself in five years, still going harder, still going stronger. Oh, yeah, and I'll also have at least probably my 1,000 interviews done with 1,000 different offers for the Going North podcast as well. Where are you at now? What number are you at with that? If I'm not mistaken, last count should be around 646 authors interviewed so far. So what are you going to do on the 1,000? What what celebration? How are you going to christen that in? That's a good question because one idea I have, I'm not sure if it will be ready by 1,000 episodes, is to basically have a physical library where every guest on the show, their book is in that library in particular. So we'll see what happens with with that one if I'm able to make it by then. So we'll we'll see. That's the that's the big Harry Audacious goal with it. <laughs> 
what's been the best fan letter you've gotten, best response from the work that you've done that you remember that really kind of maybe surprised you that sticks with you? Wow, biggest fan letter. Wow. I, I got to think about that one. Oh, uh, let's see here. Fan letter, fan letter. I'd have to say, well, actually, it was actually a text message I got from a listener since they knew me, I know him personally. And they listened to an episode this year back in January with uh, Chris Voss of the Chris Voss Show where, dude, we were just riffing, having a good time. And for some strange reason, we got into conversation of food. And for some reason, out of my mouth, I was talking about a peanut butter jelly sandwich, but there was a tomato in the middle. And Chris was like, dude, who hurt you, man? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? And the, and the listener was like, hey, Don, what's wrong with you, man? I almost drove off the road listening to that episode with you and Chris. <laughs> so, dude, I almost died from laughter in a car accident. <laughs> just hearing that was just hilarious to me. Knowing that they were entertained and that they thoroughly enjoyed, they listened to it from the start and the end, and it really brightened up their their day. And that they were in a bad spot, like that's probably the best one <laughs> that I that comes to mind right now. That's really what it's all about. Because I like to keep my show lighthearted with everything going on in today's society. It feels like we're if we make one step forward, we take five steps back, and folks are in their desperation stage. And when folks are desperate, that's usually when folks are their most dangerous because a lot of them, they may drop ethics and common sense out the window and survival is the main idea. So with my podcast, I keep it lighthearted. And when the guest laughs and everybody else laughs when they listen, that's the main goal. So, yeah, that's probably the best fan mail. I do laugh so hard that he <laughs> turns his day around. He almost crashed off the road. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. So, who, if there, if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, one person, who would that be? Who would you want to have a conversation with? Oh, easily Shawn Michaels, the professional wrestler for WWE Hall of Famer, showstopper, headliner, the main event, the icon himself. Like, when he came back in 2002 after his career-ending back surgery and found Christ, became a Christian and turned his life around and had his second wind of his career where his career after 2002 basically surpassed the mass quality of the 90s like like that that guy's a big inspiration for me because I'm I'm not as big I like professional wrestling I'm not as big into it now as I was back in the day growing up but like Shawn Michaels like the dude would come out like he like I remember him being the guy with crosses on his t-shirts and I was and I'm still a Christian too this day and I love love Christ and love God and all that good stuff. But it's like he was the only guy I saw coming out in the big federation wearing cross on his t-shirt sharing his faith, and that really just inspired me. And I'm like, wow, this is freaking amazing. So he's definitely one guy I want to meet, and I want to one day have him on the Going North podcast. Heck, maybe even have him as episode 1000 if I can make it happen. Everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans. Uh, everyone has this perception of you, but you live your life. Who do you think you are? I think I'm the chocolate Adonis. Yeah, there we go. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, man. Let's start the chocolate. Everybody loves chocolate, right? <laughs> Even if they're allergic to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. Hey, so, Dom, uh, tell me if anybody wants to learn more about you, 
your podcasts, your books, what you do, where's the best place for them to go and to get all of this? Uh, sure thing. And thanks so much for having me on your show, Joe. Famous interviews with Joe. I can't believe I'm freaking famous. This is amazing, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> I love it. That's, That's awesome. right. That's right. Famous <laughs> interviews with Joe Cool Domino, baby. That's right, indeed. That's right, indeed. The jazz master, baby. But yeah, for those who want to keep in contact with yours truly, Dominic Dom Brightman, head over to Dom. Brightman.com. That's D as in David, O as an octopus, M as in Mary. Brightman.com. And there's a free gift for those who head over to the website and subscribe to the newsletter. I have a gift called 21 Lessons Learned from Two Plus Years in Podcasting, even though I'm on year five now, where if you want to learn how to start, grow, and manage a successful podcast and you want to learn from someone who's interviewed over 600 authors, there's a free little ebook for those who subscribe to the newsletter on Dom. Brightman.com and speaking of podcasts, subscribe to the Going North Podcast when you head over to that site as well and get that free ebook when you're done listening to Joe's podcast and subscribing to his. So that way you can get those interviews and learn from folks who've done something that you may want to emulate or even maybe not emulate. Because hey, we can learn from anybody. We can learn what to do and what not to do all through DomBrightman.com. Lovely. Dom, man, thank you. I really appreciate it. Good luck with all of your ventures as we move forward. It was wonderful to get to know you. I appreciate it, man. Woohoo! Thanks, Joe! Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit Famous Interviews with Joe Domino, the channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>